I'm not looking for you to name some like obscure French movie. <laughs> Here's the other Le Petite Mal. <laughs> what's that? What's that? What's the one about the eye? What's it fucking called? Un chien en bleu. What? Oh, it's where they fucking cut the eye? Yeah, dude. If you were gonna pick art house film, that was the one that I was gonna pick. Were you really? <laughs> because I don't like it. Bleu. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of We Explain Movies. I'm Kimmy. I'm Kayleen. And I'm Courtney. And this is the podcast where three best friends submerge you in spoilers as we explain, rate slash review, and decide whether or not to see the latest and greatest or most beloved classics of film. Since this is a center for spoilers, this week we will be doing the movie The Lighthouse that just came out this year, 2019. If you have not seen it, tune out and tune back in once you have. For other spoiler timestamps, check out our Instagram and Twitter at WeExplainMovies. Here's how it's going to go. We're going to start off by talking about what we watched this week move into some movie-related questions, followed by the explanation, and then close out with our watchlist ads and recommendations. All right, so right before we get into our watchlist, kind of leading into that as well, last week you guys noticed, and we've been talking about it for (laughs) ages, that we swapped formats with our nephews, our podcast, Take 3, a movie podcast, and we just couldn't go without saying how much we loved it. Yeah. Who wants to start gushing about our boys? I don't think we can. We're just gonna, like, freak out. They have just been so complimentary to us to the point of embarrassment. (laughs) And I just feel like we owe it to them to say how magnificent they are, how intelligent and hardworking they are, and how happy we are to have met them in this long-distance way and to support each other's platforms. I just really value their friendship and um, smarts. I just, I hope that we continue to do it. They're just so great. I don't, I don't have enough words. I don't know what to say. And, and I said this, well, we said this. We all, we all messaged them on the Instagram, but one of the things that just really affected me was the end of that episode because it was already so awesome. Like, but just the fact that, yeah, that we got to do each other's format and listening to somebody else doing something that we, like, quote, invented, that we have been cherishing so much for so long, like, as this beautiful thing that us three friends get to do together. And to have these two boys we don't even technically know, like, that we've never met, do it so beautifully and, and with such care. And then to have you guys say all that stuff you said at the end of your episode, I just felt so emotional listening to that because... We really, we also started this podcast be, just for fun. Mm-hmm. Like, because we love talking about this stuff and we thought it'd be cool to get it out there and to have it recorded and maybe other people will think it's fun. We would do it if there were no listeners. Really? <laughs> Literally, if one person listened every week, I would still do it because it's fun and it's like a fun challenge and kind of homework, but fun homework yeah. every week. And the fact that we get to meet people and have these discussions from so far away is just, it's, it's amazing and it's beautiful and it's pure and it's everything I want. I just really respect the way that you guys talk about film, you boys, knowing that there's more people out there who respect this art form just as much as we do. It's such a, it's such an inviting atmosphere to collaborate Mm -hmm. on with you guys, so. I gotta say, just, like, (laughs) 
watching Kimmy come in through the door and, and, um, (laughs) close to tears. Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people, too, where I think of the three of us, I have the least amount of patience when it comes to media. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I, like, I, I went and watched Doctor Sleep before all three of us went to see it together because I was like, no, now! Um, so, like, I definitely, like, gulp things in as fast as I can, but with this, I listened to it for maybe ten minutes and went, I must savor this, like, it's only gonna happen now. I must keep it. Yeah. And so then, as the day went on, Kimmy Kimmy came home later and was just like, "Did you hear what they said?" <laughs> and I was like, "No," <laughs> because I'm I have self control. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I was texting them at like seven a.m. going, "OMG, do you hear what they said about the animals?" <laughs> right, and it's just oh, it just made me like because I I wanted so much to just take it all in as much as I could as fast as possible but then I also was like calm down like you're never gonna get this again just the fact that we've had this experience and that we get to know people like this and that we we got to adopt their format and like try that out because because I know that we do do research and stuff and we do have a lot of fun with it and everything Mm -hmm. it just it was a huge highlight of this year love you boys and if and listeners if you haven't yet please go check out Take three, a movie podcast, to yes. enlighten your life. Yes. You deserve it. They deserve it. Yes. And we're Everyone the ones deserves <laughs> it. Yeah. Especially, like, I can't recommend enough going to their um, website page and then just looking at the episodes they have. And when you see your favorite movie that they've covered, just go for it. Oh, yeah. It's such a treat. For sure. They've done so much. Just a wide array. Like, have fun. You will love one of their films and if you don't, something's wrong with your brain. So. What? Like, what? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. What'd you guys watch? <laughs> um, should we start with Solo stuff? Sure. Kimmy, you start. We all watched Solo, a Star Wars story. <laughs> That's no, all we, we watched. <laughs> no. I actually it's watched it. Time for a Solo session. <laughs> I watched it six times this week. Oh, God. <laughs> wow, uh, true fans watched it every day. <laughs> Uh, the seventh day was for rest, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So first, I, I've been re-watching Breaking Bad. Um, because I just feel like I, I'm i going to have to watch El Camino. Mm. <laughs> eventually. I've been, yeah, I've been avoiding El Camino. I know, me too. I think I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and just watch it. But mm. before I do, I want to rewatch it all. That's so fun. Yeah, it is. It I is. think I'm going to watch El Camino without having watched Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you might like El Camino better if you don't watch Breaking Bad, because mm-hmm. you won't be like, this show is so important to me. <laughs> uh, I watched The Story of Marabone. It was on my watch list for a while. That's pretty shitty. Oh. <laughs> because it wasn't very good. Oh, sad. It wasn't that it was bad. It's just that it wasn't good. They're like, they, it's just that it wasn't good. And I really like all the actors in it. But like, so the part of the movie comes, I won't I won't spoil anything unless you guys want you me totally to. You totally can. I've never even heard of this movie. I don't really movie. think anybody cares about this <laughs> okay. movie. Okay, here it is. The story of Marabone. So it's these this family of children. Their mother passes away after they immigrate to the States from the UK. Uh, for reasons that are pretty shady. Okay. And it's because their father is, like, a corrupt murderer or something like that, and he beat them, and he's, like, chasing them to America. So they're kind of in hiding. But the mom dies of cancer. The dad shows up and finds them, and they murder his ass. 
then it's like a couple years later, they have to wait until the oldest boy is 21 so he can keep the family in the estate. But there's like some creepy ghost shit happening in the house. Okay. And it's because they killed the dad there. Mm. So they think that the ghost is still there. But then you see like all other different kinds of ghosts, like not just boy ghosts, it's girl ghosts. So it's like, are there just like a shit ton of poltergeists in this house? Anyways, <laughs> just to cut things short, some shit happens. <laughs> oh, you find out, and this is the problem with the film, is that okay. they're about to tell the twist of the film. And I'm like, oh, that's what the twist is. Mm. <laughs> like right before they even said anything. I felt like it could have been good if it wasn't so predictable. Mm. But the, Was it a twist just to be twisty, one of those? Well, let you let be the d- judge of that. Okay. So here's the... Dad the was alive twist. the whole time. Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. The oldest boy gives Anya Taylor-Joy a book, which is the story of their lives, the story of Maribone. And it's like drawings and illustrations of what actually happened. Mm-hmm. And what happened was the dad came to kill them all. The oldest son locked all of his siblings in the attic to protect them. He chased the dad out to the cliffs, and the dad pushed him over the cliffs. So all the kids died in that room. And then the dad comes back in through the chimney, kills all the kids. Fuck. But now he's locked in the attic. So when the oldest son wakes up, he comes back and he leaves them up there to rot and die. So all these kids that we've been seeing the whole time in the family have all been figments of his imagination. He has, like, multiple personality disorder mm. from the trauma. Mm. And then then at the climax of the film, you find out that the dad's actually still fucking alive up there. And he's been eating, like, rodents and shit. Oh, my God. For how long? I don't know. What I have a regular Brahm situation. What are you <laughs> drinking for water? At the end of the film, everybody's safe. It's just... George McCain and Anya Taylor-Joy and she wants to marry him and take him out of the psych ward and go back to the family home. And she says, you don't need anti, you know, hallucination drugs. You're just gonna have hallucinations because you're happier that way. You get to see your family and that's how they live. That, the end. So he just has <laughs> hallucinations his whole life and they live together that way? Yeah, because he sees his family. He sees his siblings and stuff. That's a healthy way to live. I love yeah. being off my meds. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, moving on. The last thing Life's that I so watched... Life's so quirky when you're not on your meds. <laughs> fun time. What will I do next? I guess they were trying to make it like bittersweet, but I was no, just like... No, take your meds, kids. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that that's... <laughs> Anyway, the motto of We Explain Movies is if you need meds, please take please them. Please take your meds. <laughs> Uh, the last thing I watched was The King on Netflix starring Timothy Chalamet. Is... And did you like it? Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> I didn't. Did you just think he was sexy the whole time and that was it? I didn't like it. <laughs> okay. It's because he's not sexy? No, it's he is sexy. <laughs> no, he is not. sexy. This is the problem. The movie wasn't good. And it merely pains me to say that because I really wanted to like it. I don't mind slow movies. I love period films. It just felt like... Nothing happened. Mm. Nothing was really rousing, and that's like my favorite thing about um, the arousal. No, that's, I mean rousing as in you like, know that movie starring no. Amy Adams. Can you let me say it? <laughs> I mean, like you know that he's gonna do like a big rousing speech before they go to battle. Yeah, that's like my favorite thing, and it was just the writing was just not good. So he did a rousing speech, but it was shitty. The the rousing speech was like. Sometimes we live, sometimes we die. If you die today, I'll die tomorrow. 
let's ride. Oh, my. <laughs> That's kind of what it was like. And, like, some of the most tension-filled moments were just really dissipated because of what they had to say from the script. Anyways... I think thought that he was good. I just don't think there was a lot there to work from. Okay, well then, even though I probably wasn't going to see it, I definitely won't now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wasn't going to watch it. (laughs) Poor Timmy. Okay, so solo stuff for Kayleen. Uh, First of all, I just wanted to gush about how much I fucking loved Fleabag. And I've already told these girls, but I watched all of it. I loved it. I definitely felt... There's, like, shows that come around every once in a while where they just give me... They just evoke some kind of feeling in me where I'm like, I have never felt this specific way about a show before. And the last thing, I think, to do that for me was uh, season one of End of the Fucking World. And so this is, like, the first thing since then, and it was really exciting. And I'm really sad it's over. It's only six episodes. That's so few. And they're not even an hour. It was a really good season, too. I loved... uh, And I think... I would have been pissed if there was no season two, because there was a lot of stuff we found out in season two, Mm -hmm. and a lot of stuff that got resolved. So I'm okay if there's no season three, but I'm glad that she went for a season two. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, everyone should go watch Fleabag. It was fucking amazing. Uh, Another show that I watched was Three's Company, because I went home for a few days uh, for a friend's wedding, and I was hanging out with my mom, and I bought her the whole, like, complete series of Three's Company, because we used to watch that when I was little. And I haven't seen it since I was probably eight. I was really worried about watching it because I'm like, this is going to be horrible and bad. And, like, of course it's really cheesy, but surprisingly I still laughed quite a bit. I'm like, Mm. oh, wow, (laughs) this isn't as bad as I thought. Another thing about that is I just wanted to say that when I went back home, my mom's like, show me how to listen to your podcast. And a funny story, she's going to listen to this and be like, hey, don't tell people that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we were in the car and, and we, like, put it on. And she makes some comment about how she wishes that she could see us. And I'm like, oh, haha, whatever. And then later she goes, Kayleen, I think I'm doing it wrong. I'm able to hear you guys, but I can't see you guys. So I was like, Mom, you don't see us. <laughs> That's There's why we didn't see. make a YouTube channel. <laughs> and she's like, uh. Anyway, uh, she texted me the other day and said she's loving it. I asked her which one she was on to make her say that. And she goes, I've been watching, or watching, I've been listening to one every day. Wow. Which is really sweet, but I'm also a little bit like, well, it's all out in the open now, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) Yeah, so that's exciting and also a little scary, but that's fine. I love you. (laughs) Um, uh, Did I watch anything else on my own? Oh, right. The only thing I wanted to touch on is that I saw Dark Fate, <laughs> and we actually all agreed on this, and, like, Vince, my stepdad, is pretty, he's pretty nice to action movies, because that's, that's his bag, he really likes them, like, I, I think he pretty much likes all the Terminator movies, even the newer ones, um, but even he was like, this was fine, so that shows you that it was really just not good, and, uh, that sucks. something happens in, so, to, this isn't really a spoiler, but the first thing, the thing that opens the film is the footage of her from that video of her in the psych ward, the one they show her of herself. And that got me so pumped. And then, like, after it's over, the music plays, I was like, I'm fucking ready! (laughs) And then I believe the exact next scene ruined my whole day. Oh, And And then I, like, pretty much couldn't enjoy the rest of the film because I was like, no, that's not real. And I thought there would be, like, a twist where something happens and that didn't happen, really. But, yeah, like, the first, first scene of the film... 
Yes. Yeah. Do you know about this? What? No, I'm just what? guessing. <laughs> what? She just guessed something what to me. What is it? Yeah. Oh my god. What I is just, it? I figured, like, what would ruin this? And I guessed Wait, it. And, and that's why. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. What? Oh my god. I kind of want to say it now. What is it? <laughs> do you want to know? I do want to. I do. I don't know if I'm going to see it. I think I, I think I should tell you. Guess what? What's something bad that could happen? Where it's like, okay, why'd you even bother then? That's a good. That's a good question. Sarah Connor dies. No, but close. John Connor dies. Yep. Ah, that's the only reason he was in the credits is because they kill thirteen-year-old John Connor. Thirteen? Yep. We don't even get to see him as a current man. Wow. What? Yeah. I was pissed, you guys. <laughs> and I was like, there's going to be... No. He's going to come back as, like, an adult later, and we're going to be like, oh, my God. No. The whole point. Wow. <laughs> That's the whole point. I know. Anyway, so it was fine if you don't care about T1 and T2. That's all I'm saying. Wow. <laughs> if you live for T4 and T5, you better go see this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to love it. Um, yeah, there's all my solo stuff. All right, and then something we watched together was Doctor Sleep. Woo. <laughs> I have a lot to say, so I kind of want to hear oh, your wow. guys' thoughts first because I have a lot to say. <laughs> okay. So I had a lot of feelings about Doctor Sleep, actually. Throughout my entire time watching it, and even after, I was kind of glad that we didn't talk about it much after because I just felt very conflicted. And even I kind of still do now, but I think I've gathered all my thoughts in the way that I... I know how I feel and I know what things I liked and didn't like. I think this movie could have been like my favorite movie of the year mm. if a few <laughs> things were different. And you're going to say all my thoughts. <laughs> and what's difficult is that it chapter 2. Like I told you guys both times I saw it, a lot of stuff I loved and a lot of stuff I will say hated. And with that movie it was harder. I felt like I knew what I didn't like, but I didn't know how to fix it. Whereas this movie, I can point to exactly what I didn't like, and I know exactly how I would change it. Yeah. And that's what makes it, almost makes me more mad. Because I'm like, man, with just a little adjustment, it would have been, at least in my personal opinion, something amazing for Kayleen to have viewed. Um, my biggest issues being, like Courtney had said to us off air, with the ending. Should we should we say we're getting in spoiler territory? Big time, because I, I, everything I'm going to say okay. is I wanted is to say spoilers. book and movie spoilers. I have Shining like. spoilers, I have Doctor Sleep book spoilers. Shining movie, Shining book, Doctor Sleep book, Doctor Sleep movie. It's all open waters right now, everyone. Yeah. Be, be careful. So I have not read the Doctor Sleep book, but Courtney told us a little bit about it, but I have read The Shining, and I have seen The Shining, and I have seen Doctor Sleep. When they go back to the Overlook in the movie, I turned to Courtney and I said, <laughs> holy crap, if the Overlook explodes, I'm going to lose my shit. In a good way. Because it explodes in the book, The Shining. How I felt about Danny dying is that I think they needed to commit one way or the other. If they just really committed 100% to giving this movie the ending that The Shining never got. Yeah. And they partially did. Because the fact that the Overlook burst into flames I thought was pretty fucking cool. What I didn't like is when the little girl starts seeing all the ghosts through him, that was really bothering me. Because we already did all that. When Danny comes into the hotel, we already had all of our nostalgia. We got to see all these scenes okay. again. And then when the little girl is now being haunted by Danny and he's chasing her, we then see them a second time. And I'm like, I don't... This really feels gimmicky now. 
because at first it felt cool. It felt like an honor to the first film and the first book. But when the little girl is seeing everything over again, it felt gimmicky to me. And what also felt gimmicky to me is when she reaches out and touches his hand and says, like, I know Danny is still in there. Oh. And he comes out for a second and says, like, I am still in here. You're awesome or whatever. <laughs> like, that just Love really... Love bitch. <laughs> that really bugged me because he ended up going back into himself and into the ghosts. And I wish if they were going to make him bad like that, that they would have just gone, like, 100% and done what The Shining did, and have him beat himself over the head with the axe. Because that would have been fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Because in The Shining, I found that to be the most powerful moment of the book, as far as comparing it to the movie, is when the little boy says, I know something you don't know. And the demons kind of go, well, what is it? And the little boy's like, <laughs> and they realize it's the boiler room, and the last bit of Jack Torrance is like, I need to save my son, and is beating himself with the axe to kill these spirits. And I was so hoping that they would do that, because I could sense that the boiler was going to explode. And they just didn't commit. The fact that he, it wasn't a sacrifice in Dr. Sleep, it was a mistake. Once she says that the boiler's going to explode, he goes and runs down to try to stop it. And that just really bothered me, because he could have really, if they wanted to kill him, which again, he doesn't die in the book, if they wanted to kill him, they could have let him go out as a martyr, as he does in The Shining, and that would have been so powerful. So that just, that really, really bothered me. Instead, they made it about some weird connection he had with his mother. Yes. Like, oh, I must die with my mother. And I'm like, his mom didn't die in the Overlook. No. His mom died 15 years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that that was really bothering me. And there, there's a couple other things, but that was the big thing I wanted to talk about. Opposite of that, I would like to talk about my favorite part of the movie, which was that scene in the bar yeah. where he's talking to, quote, Lloyd. And there is, as people who have seen The Shining know... There is a character of Lloyd who is not Jack Nicholson, who is not Jack Torrance. It is just this other spirit character. And I loved that they gave it to somebody who was this presence or spirit of his dad. But my favorite line, because I honestly got very emotional and like almost cried during this part. Aww. Because I thought this scene was just so powerful and so visceral. And he's you know, struggling with sobriety oh, because he's been sober for so long. <laughs> yeah. And he picks up the glass and he says that the first time he smelled whiskey, it smelled like something was on fire. And in a way, I guess it kind of was. I don't know if that's the exact quote, but I just was so affected by that because, yes, a lot of people experience that kind of relationship with alcohol where it is as if it's this fire that's ruining your life. And that is exactly what his and his dad's relationship with that was like. Mm -hmm. I just was like, fuck. That's like, that's why I love reading books. Oh, right. It's because you get gems like that where you have to stop reading and go, holy shit, no one's ever said it that beautifully. Mm -hmm. So I, I had problems with it, but I overall did like it. Yeah, I don't have that much to say about it. I think that little girl was adorable. Oh, she was so good. She was great. My biggest thing, my biggest issue with this movie is that when you watch The Shining, the scary of it feels very real. And there's spirits, and there's a haunting going on. And that feels more like, it's not real, but it feels like realism. Yeah. To me. And this movie feels 
fantasy. I agree with that. Because there's the vampires and there's type. magic yeah, yeah. and like the smoke. Yeah, like yeah. I and I was it just ha- didn't have the same feel, and I was like kind of having a hard time believing that these two things were in the same universe. Mm. That's all. That's literally all. Yeah. Okay. So then I I think I know from this that I liked it the most <laughs> because at right now it is my number ten in our top ten of okay. the year. Um. So that's at the tail end of it, and there's so much more that's coming out this year. Um. But Boy, did I love this movie, and I've seen it twice now, because I saw it on my own before I saw it with y'all, and and I think I needed to, yeah. because I finished reading the book, and not 30 minutes later was I sitting in a seat ready to watch it, mm-hmm. and that was just such a great way to see a Stephen King adaptation, in my opinion. I, I was flabbergasted, I was amazed, I was enthralled, it was just everything that I needed it to be, because I loved it so much, mm-hmm. um, and I was hands down ready to say that the first two hours of that film made it probably into my top three of the year. Yeah. I was like, what? The first two hours of that film, I was losing my mind. And I was like, it's just kind of one of those things where you like fantasize about what you're going to do later. And um, I was watching it. And within those first two hours, I just knew I had to talk to Jordan from Take 3 AMP. And I was like, you need to go watch this movie. Because he read it too. I don't know if he's read it, but I know that he read The Shining and was so Mm. upset with how that adaptation went. And I was like, if anything, please read Dr. Sleep and then go watch this movie because the faithfulness of the adaptation is just so uncomparable. It's perfect. There's even this one line where, um, because the first time I saw it, I really had to go to the bathroom. So I left the theater and as I was walking out the theater, a line made me stop because I just had to turn around and watch it. And it's when... um, it's when Rose the Hat has, like, had this moment where she's, like, thrown into, um, Abra's world and she just knows that, like, Abra can see her. Yeah. And, uh, she's talking to Crow Daddy and she's like, we need to go get this girl right now. And Crow Daddy says, well, yeah, especially now, like, what if those parents start putting her, like, on, on meds? What if they give her that? And, yeah. like, sh- her shining dims. And they, they don't call it the shining, they call it steam. And she goes, no, no, no. Giving this kid Paxil would be like putting saran wrap on a searchlight. And I stopped in my tracks because that's a literal line from the book. Like, they took so much from the book and they were like, we will stay that true to it. Like, everything that they say, we're going to put it in there. And I lost my mind. I was like, yes. Do you know if they had that line about the fire and the whiskey? Probably not, because the hotel's burned down in the book. So in the book, um, there's no Overlook Hotel. Instead, they're on the land where the Overlook lives. And, um, the only time Jack Torrance is in the book, and it's really sad, but after they've defeated Rose the Hat, which is in a completely different way, Mm -hmm. that was one of the changes that I loved so much about the book, is that the whole time you're watching it, you're like, uh, doy, (laughs) the same thing when you're reading it, Danny's gonna open all those boxes in his mind and unleash the ghosts, duh, uh, they don't do that in the book. Oh. And so that was one of the changes that I was super happy to see. Yeah, that was awesome. I love that. But instead, Jack Torrance just gives Danny a kiss goodbye as they're leaving, like, the site after they've they've defeated Rose the Hat. He blows a kiss, and it's like, no. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) It is beautiful. So a lot of the the poignant parts of the climax are not there, especially because... So when I'm watching it and I'm thinking about how I'm going to talk to Jordan from Take 3, I was like, love this movie, love it so much, gonna die for this film. Instead, um, they change everything. Mm. And I, I was I was pretty furious the first time I saw it because... Okay. See, I, I really... 
<laughs> again, more spoiler for the ending, but I support the other deaths. I support the two okay, that you said same. didn't exist. Yeah. Because they were very effective and yeah. uh, motivating for the other characters, and so I'm totally okay with it. And I would have supported Ewan McGregor's death if it had been the way that I said. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Billy Freeman's death, I was just kind of like, in the book, you're like an 80-year-old man. He's 80? He's super old. They, they don't say he's 80, but there is a line where they talk about how old and frail he is that they're, like, shocked that he's, like, alive. Wow. They're like, you're a dinosaur. And I was like, okay, that's fair. Like, you're super old, and that death was crazy effective. And yeah. also, I just love that it wasn't, like, some old white guy being cast in the part. Like, For that's sure. great. And then when Abra's dad dies in the movie, I was like, well, where are they going to go now? Because Abra has so much support, and Abra is not involved in the climax at all. She stays back at her house in the book and instead does the astral projection of herself. Oh, I love that she's involved in the movie. Oh, I do too, but it it just kind of like, it's funny because in a book world it makes sense where it's like, no, you would protect her. Like, what parent lets her go there? So like, in the the movie I love that she was at the Overlook Hotel, but it just kind of makes sense that it's like, no, like... Her dad has to die, otherwise she's not going to end up oh, there. right, exactly. So I could support that, but I could not support... I could not support Danny's death even mm-hmm. a little bit. It only took me until the second viewing, though, to just be like, I have to separate source material from, from adaptation. Yeah, like, yeah, otherwise, yeah. what am I going to do? Like, scream until this movie, like, doesn't exist anymore? It's not going to work. So just avoiding all of that, I just want to talk about some things that I absolutely loved in this in this movie, is that... It, it absolutely hits within my top five of adaptations of Stephen King works. I oh. love it so much. What I mostly loved, too, is all those Haunting of Hill House feels I got. Yeah. This movie, just the color palette and the lighting scheme is just through and through so Hill House. For sure. Where there are scenes in it where I'm like, is that the Hill House set? Mm. It looks exactly like it, and it was so amazing. And at this point now, I just gotta say that Mike Flanagan is the king of center shots. Everything that this guy does, it's just like a perfectly framed, symmetrical center shot, and I thought it was gorgeous, and I was just super... Just every time he did it, I was just amazed by it. And and on top of that, he had all these gorgeous shots of, like, hands. There were so many different hand shots of just different things happening in between, like, the passage of two people's hands, or, like, holding of things, and I thought it was beautiful, and... Rose the Hat is my wife. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love her so much. She's my wife. Um, Dan Torrance is my dad. Like <laughs> They cleared my skin. That's what I'm saying. I loved it. Yeah. Um, so, sorry if you guys didn't love it as much. Um, I, I am the first to say there were flaws with it. I yeah. left it the first viewing pissed because I was so happy with it at first, and then they went and did me dirty like that. But yeah. beyond that, now I... I love it so much. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite Stephen King books, and I've, I've read plenty, and I just am kind of like, nope, that that did it for me. Yeah. That really, really did. So, the next thing we all watch together is... Jojo Rabbit! Yee! Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, and we actually are not really going to talk about it very much, because we decided we're going to do an episode on it. Um, we're probably going to wait until it gets released more widely, because honestly, it was even a miracle we got to see it. Uh, it's pretty much only been in LA and New York, and like scattered a little bit around besides that, but it was still really difficult. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to wait on that, but we loved it, and that's why we decided to do one. Little Simply Spoilers episode. 
Um, and then Kayleen and I also got to see, like, it's just nice, uh, <laughs> we're, we're hitting that time of year where I just feel like everything mm-hmm. is smacking me in the face left and right, being like, yep. no, this movie, no, this movie, because yep. yeah. it hasn't been, like, a drought of a year. I've really loved a lot, I but think right that now, the, the artsy good ones are coming out now. Exactly. Yeah. There was a lot of blockbuster good ones, but now I'm getting the, like, the gold mine. And what's nice, too, is I feel like this is just going to be a way stronger year for that than last year. I hope so. Like, there's so much on my list of like remaining movies coming out this month that's just creeping their way to the top. Totally. And that includes Jojo Rabbit, big time, but also Parasite, yep. which Kayleen and I saw. I really liked it. Yeah. I did too. It was, and totally not what I expected because we both went into it kind of afraid because the trailers are so vague. Best thriller of the year. I'm like, oh geez. <laughs> it is called Parasite, so I just really was picturing some kind of like plague type I really Deal. did with, with the peach in the in the trailer and stuff, and I oh, was yeah, like, "What's yeah, the yeah. peach gonna do?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it has some spores on it, right? So I don't really want to tell anyone. <laughs> I don't really want to give anyone too much detail because we didn't have very much going in. But it's it's not really what you expect. It's just kind of it's a drama, yeah, and a comedy because it's so funny. I laughed a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just I really enjoyed it. I thought it was it just kept me interested the whole time, and it was beautiful to look at. So yeah. Mostly because that house is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. That the whole movie is basically set in this one house. It's beautiful. Yeah, amazing shots the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't wait to see it again because I'll go with you, Kimmy. I do want to watch it. Yeah. yeah. I'm just scared I'm going to miss out on something that should be in my top ten rankings. Oh, yeah. I agree. And, and I don't want to miss anything. Yeah. I'm going to go see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we watched this week. Let's get into our questions. Questions related to The Lighthouse so we can discuss some other movies in the mix. What is... A film with an incredibly small cast, because this one is really only two with yeah. something else thrown in there. Um, so we're thinking three people or fewer throughout the majority of the movie. Yeah. Yes. Films with a small cast, three or fewer. I feel really, I feel really uh, ashamed of my answers today. Oh, no. <laughs> just because I don't feel like they're they're that unique. They uh-huh. just seem pretty much like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so this film is really mostly one person... Uh, it's 127 hours. It's just James Franco alone beneath a boulder yeah. for 127 hours. That's how long the movie is, and yeah. it's excruciating. And <laughs> that's how long the movie is. I love that movie. I think that's a it's a gorgeous movie, and yeah. it's a great story, and I've read that book several times. Oh, really? It's, it's, it's just such an amazing glimpse into resilience and what someone can do, mm-hmm. and uh, I really like that movie. And it's it really is just him talking to his video camera the whole time, or even not just existing in that state. And then there's there's flashes of like memory of him and his sister Lizzie yeah. Kaplan and stuff. But it, for the most part, it is just James on his own with a boulder. And that's a really big feat to actually pull it off in a good way. And I mm-hmm. think it's a really good movie. I thought he did a very good job. So that's my answer. Cool. My answer is Creep by Mark Duplass. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I just I had another answer that I was gonna say, but just kind of like a common answer. I, Creep is really good. Creep like is Creep. really good. I also like Creep 2. Do you guys I like watch Creep, Creep 2? I've never seen Creep 2. Creep 2 is good too. Yeah. It's got a nice ending. Yeah. I love the ending that. Creep is great. Creep, Creep is, is a great. Re- and I feel like it's slept on. Yeah, yeah it totally Creep. is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't know. What is this going to be? And I was like, wildly yeah. blown away. I think we were partially thinking either this is going to be awesome or it's going to be fun to make fun of. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just love found footage, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a good found footage movie. Yeah. Okay, well, then I'll keep it short and simple, too. My answer is uh, obvious to Courtney when we were looking up lists. It's yeah. Moon. 
starring Sam Rockwell. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's a movie with, like, 30 Sam Rockwells and what more could I want? Um, but it's really just him for a lot of it, and then when there's other Sams, like, they're in it too. But it's mostly two Sams, and there's also um, robot Kevin Spacey, but he's a robot. But, yeah, that movie really surprised me. I had no idea what it was about going into it. And, of course, he does an amazing job with working with nobody. I mean, at no point is he working with another actual actor, except maybe in flashback scenes or something like that. Yeah, and he has to carry that whole film. So it's kind of similar to 127 Hours in that way that you just... If he wasn't charismatic, I'd be really bored. And uh, the story's fun, too. So that's a really good one. Awesome. Well, moving on to our second and final question, what is your favorite film about a character's descent into madness? And we did come up with some parameters that the twist can't be something like, they were crazy all along. Yeah. yeah. All a, uh, whatever bone marrow show you just talked about. Oh, yeah. Marrow show? Marrow bone? Marrow bone. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> You know, from 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, it has to instead be like, they start out one way and it's just a decline. Yeah. I want to go first. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're gonna have it. <laughs> I know your answer is. Yeah, but like, why not? Let's talk about it. I love Black Swan. Knew it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Was that yours, Kimmy? I wasn't gonna say that one uh, because I think you found it first and you're like, this is a basic bitch answer. And I was like, I think it, I better not say it. <laughs> Wow, thank you. There's another... I mean, like, I, I said it, like, as an announcement to be like, move over, everyone. I'm right, the basic right. bitch of the week. I just thought it was funny because I knew exactly well, what Well, there's another about. really basic bitch answer that I'm not going to say, but I feel like you guys can guess what it is, unless it's yours. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. This is like the opposite of one of our standoffs. It's like, who thought of the dumb thing first? <laughs> um... It's no, it's like not it's, a dumb answer. It's like a, yeah, It's no, just you, obvious. It's just well, obvious. You know why? Because it's so iconic for being that kind of thing. Yeah, and I, oh my gosh. Uh, like, <laughs> I remember a while ago, Kimmy was like, it depends how much I want to reveal about myself on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I lived alone. It was awful. I was in another state away from my family, and it was like, you know, college and stuff, and it was scary and all I that. I would hate living alone. Yeah, me and too. I'm, I'm such a social person. Well, and this yeah. movie kept me comfy, and it, <laughs> it was That's the friend good. I needed. That movie would make me feel like I was going to get murdered, for yeah. sure. No, I, I feel watched, like that movie would make me feel more alone. <laughs> I watched this movie, like, on endless repeat, and I just loved it so much. I thought it was brilliant, and scary and cathartic yeah. and sexy and just just an amazing movie and then that was like the first year I really can remember caring about the Oscars and being oh. like if Nally doesn't win I'll kill everyone in, in, this <laughs> in my house no in one's here <laughs> it's just me and then I look in the mirror and then the mirror looks back at me and then <laughs> <laughs> and you shrug <laughs> um yeah it's, it's a great film I love it so much I do too, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could watch that any day yeah yeah. I want to watch that right now. I just and don't just, ever want to watch that cuticle scene ever again in my whole no. life. It I, doesn't bother me. It really, really does. I don't I mind why Nona Ryder stabbing her own face with the with the nail file. Yeah, yeah. Mo- that's a lot better for me to watch than the cuticle yeah. thing. I think it's because it's like such a universal fear. Yeah, it's like so possible. It's just something that yeah, you could you could feel it when you watch it. Uh-huh. I I just don't know if I get scared during that movie. I do. I'm always. I'm always on edge around the mom. I'm oh, like, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she's she's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. I think I only saw this one time in theaters. Oh. Oh, really? Even I've seen it twice. parents, I saw it. Oh, <laughs> that sucks. Did you really? Yeah. <gasps> no. Nightmares. 
All right, go, Kimmy. Okay. No, you go, because I have a lot to narrow it down to. Oh, okay. These are people descending into madness because of circumstance. And I was like, oh, shit, that's a new thing I didn't think about. So my um, honorable mention is The Hitcher, the one that you and I just watched. I mean, it could be either Hitcher, because it's the same movie, but... uh, I mean... No, he really does. Spoilers for the Hitcher, in the original, at least, he, yeah, he, like, really loses his shit because he goes through all this drama, and then at the end, the cops are like, don't throw your life away. He's like, no, I'm gonna throw my life away. (laughs) And then he goes and murders the guy. Oh, fuck it, watch me. (laughs) Because he's just got so much vengeance in his heart now from all that shit he put him through, so... That's so sad. That sucks, and I don't think he'll be okay ever again. Um, the That's second why I love one, a lot of movies where you watch things and you're like, "That I'm happy you survived, but you're not okay." Yeah. Yeah. You're second not one being be okay. seven. Oh, Brad Pitt. I mean, it's the exact same situation, exact same. Yeah. Where at the end, it's like, "Don't do it, man." But I have to. Goes, like, I have I, to. Do I it. have to. Mm-hmm. No, Brad. Brad. I have to. <laughs> That's what he wants, Brad! <laughs> yeah, so, and those are both, I love those movies. They're both so good. Uh, so my honorable mention is Take Shelter. I don't really need to go into it, mm. except that everybody needs to watch it, and it is such a good movie. I am, your guys, you guys talking about it really made me want to go see it. Oh, it's awesome. You have to watch it. It's so good. <laughs> I right. told Dakota he would probably like it. Um, and my, my real answer is A Streetcar Named Desire. Oh, okay. And my reason for picking this is also not very good because I'm not picking it <laughs> because of the whole Descend Into Madness thing. I'm picking it because Marlon Brando fucking slaps in that movie. <laughs> oh, he does slap. He does. I remember we had a class. Our teacher puts on the fucking scene where Marlon Brando comes in and and he's fucking sweaty yeah. and pulls his shirt off and he goes, meow, at fucking yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blanche. And I was like, Hoo. like every lady in that class was like, Hoo-hoo. I was not. No. <laughs> I remember, oh, you know what? I remember specifically having a conversation being like, I would be so turned on by him if his voice wasn't like, I'm Marilyn Brando. <laughs> control his voice. No. I just, like, and then we analyzed the scene, and I was just like, wow, this is so great. It's great. God, I've read that play so many times. Right? Honestly, every Every class every in theater class. school. I feel like, honestly, they should have just, like, given it to you, like, like printed our diploma on top of it or something. <laughs> our grad class should have said, I've always depended on the kindness of strangers. Oh my god. I natured in a streetcar named Desire. Yeah. Marlon Brando should have presented me with my diploma. Yes, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Alrighty, that's it for our questions, which means it's time for the lighthouse. Oh my gosh. Ooh. Kaylee, get fucking ready. You're Ooh. not ready. I'm not ready. I can't wait for this. Well, it must begin with your predictions. What do you think this movie is about, and what do you think is going to happen? And no matter what you say, you're not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I really, I wrote two notes from all the, like, I've seen promos for it. I've seen, like, that one trailer a bunch of times in theaters and stuff, but it's all very ambiguous, right? So... I'm definitely going to have to make some shit up. The only two things I wrote down were uh, that you had mentioned, like, when we'd watch the trailers, that maybe the seagull will be, like, a... A Black Phillip. A Black (laughs) Phillip. But then I thought, what if the Kraken is Black Phillip and it'll be Kraken Phillip? (laughs) Kraken Phillip. And then my other thing... It's Crap Phillip. (laughs) Crap Phillip. Crap Phillip. Hey, 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 do you want to live deliciously? Do (laughs) you? Oh, God. (laughs) 
character name is Philip. He's on crack the whole time. <laughs> oh, balls. <laughs> do, do ya? Um, <laughs> I got some real nice. What's that like? Some butter? Do ya? <laughs> what is that like? That's what he says. What's that like? Some butter? I'm fucking sweating. <laughs> oh I love black Philip. <laughs> Um, He's my inspiration for living. Oh my gosh. Um, the other thing, which this I wouldn't have known, I think Instagram is what said this to me, but it was like a quote from Robert Pattinson or something where he was like, something, 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 like, fart and feces make this movie. And oh. I'm like, what did you just say? So apparently, what what I'm thinking in my head, because I have no idea how that's going to come into play... I think that Willem is going to be the one who goes crazier than Robert, but I think they're both going to go crazy. And I think that Willem is going to, like, at some point, like, throw shit at Robert Pattinson. Okay. Also, ooh, I should come up with their names. I don't think they're anything crazy, but I bet they're, like, old-timey or, like, a man that lives in a cave-type name. So he'd be, like, I think Willem Dafoe's name is going to be, like, Winston. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I thought you were gonna get it, <laughs> but that's not Will and Defoe's character. No, that's, that's not. That's oh, Robert Pattinson. I was like, shut up. <laughs> Ooh. Um, and then I think Robert Pattinson's character is gonna be something like. So even though that's not their names, Winston and George live in this lighthouse. Okay, but here's what I'm thinking. I don't think they start off in the lighthouse. I think Willem has been the lighthouse keeper for years. I think that there's some reason that George has to go there. And I can't think of... This is set in the past, isn't it? 1890. Oh, it is. Okay. In the United States. Okay, well that's even more basic. So they don't have anything because it's old, old time. I just, I don't know why he would have to go out there, but I don't think you need two lighthouse keepers unless you think one of them's gonna die or, like, getting too old to run the lighthouse. So maybe, maybe it's, like, a creep situation where he put out an ad. I know it's not the same with, like, ads as we see them now, but maybe it was, like, find me an apprentice Mm -hmm. and then I'll train them to be, that's what it is. That's what I'm gonna say it is, is that he's training George to be the next lighthouse keeper and maybe he even knows George from, like, like a family friend or something. And he's like, I trust you, George, to take care of this lighthouse after I'm gone. I will show you the ways. But I think that there's something, like, spiritual. There's something haunting this lighthouse. Or maybe, maybe Willem, sorry, Winston, maybe Winston did something bad. Like, he committed some atrocity, and now it's haunting him in this lighthouse. Okay. And the fact that there's now another person there who maybe is more pure or something, it's, like, attracting the spirits of whatever bad thing he caused. Nice. And because of that, now there's this rift, because George isn't that kind of a bad person, and Winston maybe didn't used to be, but he's succumbed to it. Mm-hmm. And so when they both start to go mad in this kind of cabin fevery type situation, I bet one of them has to die. I bet that George has to kill Winston. And maybe Winston had to kill the lightkeeper, lighthouse keeper guy before him. Okay. That's all I got right now, because I'm pretty uh, unsure. I asked for the, uh, at the end of your predictions, I want you to answer a question for me. Oh. I want you to predict how many times you think... Sir Willem Dafoe is going to fart on screen. Oh, okay. So, fart... Okay. I'm going to say the same amount of times Daniel Radcliffe farts in Swiss Army Man. That much? <laughs> 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 the constant stream? Yeah. 
Alrighty. <laughs> okay, to start off, I have two fun facts before we begin. The first, I really loved when he explained Midsummer and we found out how Ari Aster would always describe the movie the same way. He would mm. say it's about a breakup. Yes. I guess Robert Eggers was doing a similar thing um, to describe when people say, what is this about? And he would simply say, nothing good can happen when two men are trapped alone in a giant phallus. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Which ties into the second fact that this is based upon a real tragedy called oh, the Smalls sh- Lighthouse Tragedy. Oh, shit. Of two men in a real lighthouse. Ooh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right, let's begin. So the movie opens, and it's important to note that this is a black, entirely black and white film. Right. It's also filmed in square ratio. Oh. Which is like old timey. Can't it watch looks, it on a widescreen. You can't watch it on a widescreen. It looks like a square. Yeah. And now we're so used to like widescreen films. It, it comes on, and I felt immediately transported mm. to that time. Yeah. Like it was so enveloping. I just I thought it was an awesome choice. Mm-hmm. So there's a giant boat ship. A ship is coming to this island. And foghorns are a-blowing, it's pretty windy, and off the boat pop Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Robert Pattinson's name is Ephraim Winslow. Oh, never would have guessed that. So you thought I was going to say Winslow? Yeah. Yeah. I was, like, shocked. I was like, stop it. (laughs) Winston, yeah. Uh, Because he he does like to be called Winslow. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Willem Dafoe's name is Thomas Wake. Oh, he has the basic bitch name. Okay. (laughs) And they get on the island, and there's a shot where they stare into the frame. They stare into the camera frame for, like, a really long time. And it's really reflective of old footage from back then, you Mm. know, because cameras... for your picture. Yeah. Yeah. Cameras were so unique and strange back then. Everybody just kind of stood and stared at... It feels just like that. Interesting. It's great. And then Willem leaves the screen, but... Robert remains standing and staring. So they are just two lighthouse keepers. Thomas is very old-timey, talks like a legitimate pirate sailor. He's got a crazy accent, and he is constantly speaking in (laughs) metaphors of the sea. Oh, I love it! (laughs) And um, Ephraim is actually from, like, one of those very specific parts of Maine, like, probably Newfoundland or Nova Scotia, Canada. So he's got kind of a crazy-to-follow accent that... That people have, like, criticized and are like, his accent's terrible. That's just how they talk. Yeah. So, like, yeah. get used to it. Well, the first... <laughs> I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> Once they're inside of their cabin, because they stay in this house that's, like, beside the lighthouse. I, oh. I anticipated them living inside the lighthouse. I thought they were, too. But, like, you really can't, because it is just, like, a winding staircase right. up to the top, and that's it. So they're in a, a whole house that's oh, next okay. to the lighthouse. Um, and the first line of dialogue is Willem Dafoe farting. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's so funny. And now it's nighttime, and Ephraim feels the cot, which is his mattress, is kind of lumpy, and he's wondering what it is, and he looks, and there's a hole in it, and he starts sticking his finger in and fishing around inside of the hole in the mattress, trying to find what's in there, and what he ends up pulling out is a small mermaid carving. So it's like mm. a little wooden type thing. and A it's, love um, rune, if you will. <laughs> love rune. <laughs> and he decides to keep it. Winslow is kind of looking at Wake, Willem Dafoe. And he's pretty quiet throughout the whole beginning of the movie, but he just thinks that Wake is kind of a weirdo. They're there because it's a contracted job, and they're meant to be there for four weeks on this island. It's on the coast of New England. And they didn't know each other before? No. no um, 
Wake is the, is the lighthouse keeper. Okay. And he's also a retired shipman. Mm-hmm. He's been here before. Um, so he's kind of the leader. He's kind of teaching Ephraim Winslow all the ways and stuff like that. So he has to take his orders. And you need two lighthouse men there on the job. Because the lighthouse is always going. Always. So they mm. need to take turns. Gotcha. That's why there's got to be two guys. Okay, gotcha. And Willem Dafoe makes it clear, I am the nighttime lighthouse keeper. That's oh. my thing. Mm-hmm. You are working all during the day, and I sleep all during the day. And mm. then I take care of the lighthouse at night. I mean, I'd be like, fine, I don't want to be in a creepy lighthouse at night <laughs> by myself. <laughs> um, Winslow, which is Robert Pattinson, uh, so I'll try to keep using their names from now on. So Yeah, but also something fun, uh, the script originally, their names are just old and young. Whoa. Cool. The whole script just says old, young. Weird. Yeah, the whole way through, even once we do know their names, it still says that. Winslow uh, goes out um, during the first night to kind of have a cigarette. They smoke a lot during this film. Mm. And he sees Wake up in the lighthouse to what he observes, him stripping all of his clothes off in front of the light in the lighthouse. He kind of just thinks it's kind of strange. Like he stands there like a Da Vinci anatomy man. Yeah. Like, the light is literally, he's standing in front of the light. So it's like, you go up inside the lighthouse, and at the very top of the lighthouse is the spinning light, but yeah. it's also a room, so yeah. it's like a circle, you can walk around the outside. So is, like, it getting blocked by his shadow every once in a while? Yes. Yeah. Oh. And okay. so he doesn't, he's just standing and staring and looking out of the house, and he keeps seeing this shadow of, like, a starfish oh. man, okay. and that's what causes him to look up, and, and he's standing there completely naked in front of the light. Winslow's kind of like, well, that's kind of weird, whatever, he is kind of a weird dude, yeah. you know, whatever. And he just tosses it away. But that night, Winslow starts to have strange dreams and visions of tentacles in the lighthouse mm. and tree Penises, stumps if you will <laughs> tree stumps floating in the water and images of a mermaid for some reason it's really pretty scared mm-hmm. but it, they're just dreams uh as the time goes on that they're spending their days in this lighthouse wake is always asleep during the daytime because he has to spend all night like standing naked in front of a light right so <laughs> but, tiring well winslow has to do a whole bunch of tasks like, tons and tons of tasks. He is in charge of everything, including, like, really gross jobs, like having to dump out their chamber pots. Oh. This is the day before toilets. Mm-hmm. So, having to do that. And then one that's really just looks awful is he is taking kerosene up the steps, all the way up that winding staircase to the top of the light where it's supposed to be. And he ends up spending an entire day taking one giant barrel-type thing. Like, it's a huge can. Like, a a big gasoline barrel full of kerosene, and he is taking it step by step all the way up. And once he gets all the way to the top, instead of being thanked by Wake, who is all the way up there because it was his shift, Uh um, he instead hands him a tiny little pitcher, like, that you would garden with, and he goes, next time use this. Oh. Like, just bring it up little by little and it's like well tell me to do that ahead of time right (laughs) he thought he was because he was told to take the kerosene up so he thought he had to bring up this giant barrel it looks rough they do eat dinner together every night what did you think of the food (laughs) i i wanted to know what it was yeah it looked really interesting it was very like potatoey and mushy um but but it also looked kind of good it was always steaming don't know what it is but they eat dinner together every night and it always begins with Wake giving an old sea toast. Oh. <laughs> and he pours himself a big old glass of 
Vodka? Uh, it's some kind of alcohol. Okay. Some kind of alcohol. And here's what he says. You hear this several times throughout the movie. Should pale death with treble dread make the ocean caves our bed, God who hearest the surges roll, deign to save our suppliant soul. And he says ocean. He says ocean. That's so pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> and just and Robert Pattinson is staring at him like, and he doesn't even want to hear this, let alone wow. eat with this guy. Let it go. <laughs> He's got these, like, old-timey, like, sailor teeth and mm. a big mustache and a beard, and he, yeah, he says Ocean. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Winslow also doesn't want to have any alcohol, mm. but um, Wake kind of forces him into it. you got to do it. It's bad luck to not drink after a toast. You have mm-hmm. to do it. And he kind of takes his first taste of drink, and he kind of sputters and coughs and stuff, but that's kind of, like, their first, like bonding experience, okay. if you can really call it that. Yeah, because he's not down for it, and it was literally like, I won't take no for an answer. Yeah. Drink Yikes. it. Um, and he says, I'm on the job. And obviously, this guy who's the boss is drinking. So, watching a lighthouse, that basically just consists of making sure the light doesn't go off, and you have to help the ships get in? There's also, um, like, a whole machinery room, essentially, that is pumped, like, it's, it, it looks awful. It's, like, dirty and sweaty, and it does look like a big machine that he's always cleaning, um, to keep it spinning, I guess, but also to keep the foghorn sound going. Uh, There is a deafening foghorn sound constantly used throughout this movie. It puts you on such edge, Kayleen. It's all the time. It's happening all the time. Like, it never stops, right? Because for them, it would never stop. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it it does stop at times, because it's like, you have to have a movie still, but then it comes back, and you're like, oh no, here it comes again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like Um, when someone's car alarm's going off, and you're like, please make it stop, and then it starts again. Yeah. (laughs) So, Winslow's going through these grueling weeks of really pesky wake. He's really pesky, and Mm. he's kind of condescending, and he always makes it seem like Winslow is failing. There's always something extra that he hasn't done or hasn't done right, and he's kind of getting peckered down by this guy. That's so upsetting. Yeah. Um, As the weeks go by, Winslow keeps encountering this one-eyed seagull. Oh. I love him. He's so cute. (laughs) He's just kind of like an annoying seagull, like, meh, meh. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's like kind of mocking him almost. Uh. The the seagull is mocking him, and Winslow tries to throw something at it, and it, it squawks back <laughs> at him, and um, from far off, Wake kind of sees this encounter. Uh. Um, Don't touch my seagull! <laughs> well, yeah. later he says something that I found so funny. He's like, you're bad at your job, always sparring with the seagull. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, one time he threw a rock to make it get out of his right. mind. <laughs> sparring is just a, a ridiculous way to phrase Like as that. if the seagull's putting up like two fighting fists. And like the two of them are shouting insults about each other's mother. It's oh, just, God. yeah. Um, Wake and Winslow are having dinner again. They're kind of getting along, almost. And they start to kind of laugh, open up, because Winslow really hasn't said much of anything the entire Mm. movie so far. This is the most that we see him speak right now. Okay. He says that thing about the seagull, and he says it's bad luck to kill a seagull. Seagulls are the reincarnation of of sailors lost at sea. Oh. Mm -hmm. Winslow kind of laughs, whatever, and Wig fucking slaps his ass. Ooh! Right in the face, <laughs> which immediately um, s- squashes all of the bonding that they just oh, did. Yeah, Winslow's pissed. He like hit him really hard. That's really, especially like two dudes, and especially back then, that's gotta hurt your ego. Yeah, some dude well, just yeah. slapped you in the face. Yes, but Wake it 
kind of was taken with this like rage of anger for doing uh-huh. it and he's very struck by how serious he is about the superstition mm-hmm. and then he kind of apologizes I'm sorry I didn't mean to quarrel with you and he kind of leaves the weeks continue on it's hard work Winslow finds his uh, little wooden mermaid and oh. he masturbates to it <laughs> does it look like a mermaid yeah it's a, yeah, mermaid. It's a carved out mermaid it's so like a it's little... like the only porn he has yes exactly <laughs> my yeah. tiny wooden mermaid <laughs> Does and she have breasts at all? <laughs> yeah. She's yeah, a it, it okay, looks cool. like a mermaid. All right. <laughs> yeah. um, he also keeps seeing Wake up in the lighthouse naked. He doesn't know what that's about. Um, he also can't go up into the lighthouse area. Like, he can go all the way up the stairs to pour in the kerosene, but he can't go up to the last landing oh. where the light actually is. He's not allowed, and like he doesn't wake? have the keys. Oh. Yeah, it's but- really heavily locked, and Wake mm. always has the keys on his hip. And he even is like, why can't I go up there? And he says, it's not for you. Oh. It's my light. Interesting. There's not a lot of speaking. Yeah. It's mostly action. And a lot of what we're seeing is just how grueling this life is. Okay. And kind of how... Does it seem like it's having an effect on Wake or only Winslow? No, it's really only having an effect on Winslow. I mean, Wake's old. He's tired. But this is his life. He's done this his whole life. Yeah. What we're really seeing is like the power dynamic. Okay. Here, Wake is in charge. Okay. You don't cross him. You do what he says. Yes, sir. That's it. Okay. And things are about to, to get more intense now. We're, we're moving more into, I would say, like, the last 25% of this movie is, like, a banger. And yeah. a lot goes down. Okay. Um, but it is it is a slow journey to that point, which felt fine, honestly. It mm-hmm. did not feel tedious or boring. It was, no. it was really interesting because it is just power dynamics and a struggle through simple activities. Yeah. You know, we have to watch Robert Pattinson carry a tub of kerosene up a whole flight of stairs for a good amount of time right. only to be told you failed. So it's really weighing on him. You can see him getting more and more frustrated, but he's getting paid to do this. He has to listen to what he says. Okay. Earlier in the film, he had said to him, Winslow, and Wake was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, call me Winslow, that's my name. Doesn't he keep calling him Lad? And yeah. he doesn't like to be called uh, Lad, and he's like, my name is Winslow. And so he, they established their names are Wake and Winslow, but it took a really long time, like that was probably week three, that he finally decided to start calling him by his name. He also had revealed earlier that, uh, why did you come to work at this lighthouse, Wake asks him, and he says he used to work as a timberman up in Canada, so that's working with trees, yeah. and like just doing that all the time, and he decided to change his mind. Um, one of those big machine type things that he has to go and and work through is the water pump that leads to the cistern. That's like the, the big area where you keep fresh water underground. Um, so he has to clean that and that's the one that looks like a coal ship would be like back in the day. Like there's lots of heavy machinery moving around and everything. And so he goes to go check on the cistern because the water is coming out black. It looks disgusting. It's coming out all gross. And what he finds when he opens it up is that there is a dead seagull floating inside. Oh no, is it the one-eyed seagull? No, instead the one-eyed seagull flies down and looks him right in the face and is like, man. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> right when he's fishing out the dead seagull from inside of it. Okay, so the seagull is totally the Black Phillip. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to explain what happens? Winslow tries to hit the seagull and it's squawking at him and yelling at him and trying to kind of attack him Uh and then Winslow swipes its feet and smacks the (gasps) seagull down again and again and a fucking again (laughs) until it's like a mess of feathers and blood and skin and it's dead it's fucking dead (laughs) if that's that was the one-eyed one yes oh no 
Two dead seagulls? Bad omens everywhere! Yeah, it's it's really brutal. It's one of those scenes where you're like, this is still going. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then he just discards it. He just tosses it over, and that's it. <laughs> um, things are a-changing now. The the wind starts to pick up. It's uh, All of a sudden, as soon as he's killed this seagull, the weather vane on top of the building starts to go kind of haywire. It's like spinning and it completely just rotates all the other way. Oh. And Wake is not happy about it because it's like, oh, the, the winds are changing. There could be a storm. Who knows what's going to happen? So they are inside and they are uh, having their first kind of nicer night together mm. where they decide to get really drunk. Oh. Winslow is okay with it and that's what he does. Why is he okay with it now? it is their last night. Oh, shit, already? It's mm-hmm. their last night, yeah. We don't see four weeks worth of time yeah, at yeah. all. Wow. But it's their last night, and he just feels like he's ready for it, and he confides a few things to him. Wake also says, uh, what are you, running away from something up there on the mainland? Because, mm. like, why would you want to come here? And he says, yeah. I just want a simple life. I want to make a living for myself, find a nice woman, settle down with some trees. That's why I'm here. Is this something really sad too? Like I heard you can make a thousand dollars in one year. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> what a time! And then How much I'll... money do you think that actually is? Twenty-five thousand. Still terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um. The next morning, they wake up and they got so drunk the night before. Mm. They were plastered. They were mm-hmm. gone. They danced. They sang. It was really cute. They laughed. Okay, so we great. got to like watch their drunken night. Yes. yes, it was a fun drunken night. They they really just sang like sailor songs, and then like they linked arms and ran around in a circle, and then Willem Dafoe kind of like a tap dance, Aww. and it just kept going and going. Question. And, and here's where it's not as fun to explain because it's oh. like, how do we do that? <laughs> oh right, right. Yeah. How many more farts have there been at this point in the movie? So um, many. Oh, a lot. Okay. I think all in total, there's only like five in the whole movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. But that was five more than I expected, Kaylee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I was asking you to pick, because it just kind of comes out at random times, too, and always, like, as a, a slap in the face, really, to Winslow. Mm. Like, it'll be silent, and they'll be doing something, and he just lets it go. Wow. And it's, it's disrespectful. And, and Winslow never farts. It's always Winslow wake. never farts. Okay. Or as he would say, farts. <laughs> so they wake up the next morning after their drunken evening, and there is... No fairy to pick them up. Oh no. It is not there. There's also a major storm coming. They lock themselves up and they barricade all the doors. I'd be so worried to be alive in the 1890s and I'm like, today is the last day of my job. And then it's 1890s. What if you got your days wrong, bro? Right? My my ride didn't come. You're just like, what? putting chalk X's on the walls until four weeks is up. As they're, like, boarding up the windows and everything, Wake starts to kind of take inventory to do a, to do a rationing because they don't know how long they're mm. going to be there. Um, but that's what they decide they're going to do is start to figure out what they're going to do with the food situation that they've got. During the night when they get drunk, Wenzel asks, why aren't I ready to go see the top of the lighthouse? Mm. And they get really serious for a second. He says, you're not. You can't do it. And he says, well, I think I am ready. And they kind of get in an argument and uh, a fight about it. Okay. The fairy still hasn't come. Winslow sees a body is washed up on the shore. He approaches it. It's a naked body. And he realizes that it's a mermaid. Oh, shit. Winslow kind of thinks it's so beautiful. And he touches her. And he kind of, like, caresses her naked body and stuff. It's like... A very beautiful womanly body. He hasn't seen a woman in a long and, and time. And she's for sure dead? She's, her, looks unconscious. Okay. So that's not cool. Yeah. Mermaids have rights too. 
when he's touching her, the mermaid wakes up oh, okay. and screams like a horrible siren scream. I was say. It's so scary. <laughs> and it's really, really loud. And it freaks Winslow out and he runs back all the way to the cabin and he says, he's about to tell Wake about it, but Wake's like, we gotta get some rations. We gotta ration up the food here. What are you doing? You're making this house messy. You better swab it up. And he kind of just decides not to tell Wake about the mermaid. Oh. He also says, well, why do we have to ration? The fairy's going to come tomorrow. And he says, we've been here for three weeks. Ooh, so he was keeping track wrong. Or he's lying. No, no. No. He's saying, we've been here three weeks since the fairy was supposed to come. So now they're at seven weeks. Oh, Oh, but in Winslow's mind, the fairy was supposed to come yesterday. Yeah, Yeah. (gasps) it's been one day. But he says, we've run out of rations, it's been three weeks. Oh. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it throws you for a loop like that. You're like, what? Oh. They go and decide to, uh, Wake says, follow me, we're going to dig up some extra rations. They dig it up right next to the base of the lighthouse. It's a box, but it only contains more alcohol. Tons of it. Bunch Yikes. of bunch of bottles. That's all they got. It's like that scene in Pirates where they go on the deserted island, but all there is is rum. Yeah. Halfway point. Halfway point. Yikes. Do you feel like you know any more? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, a little. A this little. This is really sad because I feel like we're not tapping into, like, the scope of this film by just explaining it. Just because it is a lot of action. And I get that. Yeah. A we lot can is... tell you they get drunk, but we can't do it for you. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> can you get up and act it out, and then I'll see it, but the listeners won't? I, <laughs> I wish do. I could. I do have stuff we can act out later. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. We'll, we'll record it for the gram. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, I do feel like I know a little more. I know their names. So we have Wake and Winslow, close to Winston. So something's going to happen with the mermaid. Obviously, there's going to be some bad stuff that happens because he murdered that seagull. I'm thinking that there's something really ominous about a mermaid, and the fact that he didn't tell Wake was probably a mistake, because Wake knows what's up. Mm -hmm. Even though he's scary, like, Wake knows what's going on. If he isn't lying, then he's the one who knew they've been there for three weeks, so I just feel like he knows what's going on better than Winslow, because this is his thing. He's been doing it his whole life. There's obviously something sinister at the top of the lighthouse. It it really does seem like a Black Phillip situation up there because, partially because of the nakedness. Like, I feel like he gets naked and there's, like, a spirit inside of the light or something mm-hmm. that he's speaking to. I think he's speaking to someone up there. I bet if Winslow were to go listen by the door or whatever, he would hear stuff. Like, hear weird stuff. I still think that Wake is probably going to die by the end of this film. I don't think that Winslow will. I think he's going to, I definitely think it's going to give you the impression at the end of this film that this is a cycle that will never stop, Mm -hmm. that there's always going to be this insanity and this kind of uh, omen, I suppose, about the sea and the lighthouse. I'm hoping that there's some cooler stuff with the mermaid and the kraken, like maybe, ooh, maybe it's some like shape of water shit and someone goes and lives in the ocean. Do you have predictions as to how Wake will die? I, f- I feel like Winslow's going to kill him, but I also kind of don't. So if Winslow doesn't, then I think he's going to get taken by the Kraken. Okay. Or the mermaid, like, bites his throat like a vampire. <laughs> I hope that Winslow gets to be happy, but I doubt it. Maybe he and the mermaid can have a life together. <laughs> With um, his $1,000 a year. With so his $1,000 a year. Mermaids don't need salaries. It's fine. 
Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of a through plot line because I don't think, I don't think it's really that plot heavy. It's more like ideas and images. Mm-hmm. More, more is gonna happen. In yeah. The second half. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. Awesome. All right, let's get to it. Ready. The two become closer and closer as they drink more and more. They're getting drunk every night now. It's the only thing that they've got for sustenance. They're also continuously like at each other's throats in between their friendliness yeah. and drunken happiness. One night comes and they're so drunk. Winslow is like slurring. You can hardly understand anything that either of them are saying. And he tells Wake that his he's not a good cook. Oh no. <laughs> Which it's such a petty thing to say. Wake kind of takes really, he looks really hurt for a minute. He takes a lot of offense. He says, are you sure? Well, you, you like my lobster. You do, don't you? You like it, right? And he says, no, I don't like any of your cooking. You're a bad cook. To which Wake launches up into this curse. He's cursing Winslow. Oh, snap. Asking Neptune to strike him dead. Is this one you were telling me about? Yes, this is the part. This is my favorite part of the film. It's amazing. <laughs> it, I can hardly understand anything that Willem Dafoe is saying, but it doesn't matter. It's like so amazing. It's like almost Shakespearean. That's awesome. Like what he's saying. My mouth was like dropped <laughs> open. I can give you a few lines from it. Please, to, to please, show please. I love absolutely it. crazy it is because it does just begin with Winslow talking about how he would love a sna- a steak right now. Uh-huh. Like, that's all he wants. And and Willem really does look hurt. And he's like, but my cooking, don't you like it? He goes, no. <laughs> and <laughs> there's this great part, too, with the what's. Yeah. Where they back and forth just go, what? 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 <laughs> it just builds, and it's it's a lot of what's. Just back and forth. I love it. And then, and then it ends with <laughs> Winslow saying, I don't have anything to say to you. And Awake flips out. Stands up, does not blink for the next two minutes, ah. <laughs> does not stop spitting out these insane curses, beginning with, damn ye! <laughs> Let Neptune strike ye dead Winslow! And then at the top of his lungs, which our mic just can't handle me doing, he yells out a really long, extended, hark! Hark, oh. Triton! Hark! He's calling upon the Sea King, and just... <laughs> My eyes are just so wide. <laughs> Uh, may you be choked with plungent slime and gorging your organs till you turn blue and bloated with bilge and brine and can scream no more. Oh, I love it. <laughs> may a crowned cockle shell with slithering tentacle tail and steam and beard take up this fell befinned arm. It's insane. It goes on and on. It <laughs> yes. goes on and on, dude. It's crazy. It does sound like Until he says of his soul... <laughs> You'll be forgotten to any man, to any time, forgotten to any god or devil, forgotten even to the sea. For any stuff for part of Winslow, even any scantling of your soul is Winslow, no more, but is now itself the sea. And Winslow says... All right, right. I like your cooking. It's wow. great. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing, too, where this scene builds and builds and builds so much that you know that punchline's coming. It just has to happen. Mm-hmm. And and it's still, it, it, you feel like you got what you came That's for. That's awesome. Because you're like, it's it's going to end with that beat of just like, all right, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, they yeah, do yeah. it, and it's hysterical. I, I loved it. That was great. Yeah. Uh, the storm continues, and Winslow starts to drink by himself. 
Um, and he's drinking kind of like at all hours of the damn, day. Damn, Winslow, you didn't even used to drink. Yep, no. Maybe this is just about alcoholism. Maybe. <laughs> crunch, crunch. <laughs> he's losing his composure and his concept of time. Things are happening in really strange periods. And it's like all the days are blurred. Um, one night he sneaks up to the top level of the lighthouse mm-hmm. to try and get in. With a tiny butter knife. Yeah. <laughs> But he can't, he can't get in without the key. That seems correct. <laughs> he looks and gazes into the light from where he is, and he starts to have visions of tentacles moving Ooh. inside. We're at this point, too, now, where a lot of things are happening, that it's hard to separate reality from these visions that he's mm. having. But he does go down um, to the cliffside, where they do have these lobster traps. It's how they've had lobster in the past. Uh. And he's going down there, and that's another way you can get food. Yeah, true. Um, so he is trying to hoist up this lobster trap to find what's inside of it, because he's hoping it's food. And, and that's a kraken. <laughs> it's like this big. Okay. <laughs> and inside is a severed head. Of a human? But <gasps> it's not just any severed human head. It's a one-eyed severed human head. Hell yes. <laughs> Love it. Love um, it. <laughs> and he is assuming that it is the former wiki which also we haven't said that but that's what they're called and and uh wake is constantly referring to them as wikis which the seagulls? Uh, no no that's what a lighthouse keeper is called a wiki because oh. it used to be people who would trim the oh, wicks okay. um and so he calls themselves they're called wikis um but he finds this head and is like this must be the guy who had my job before me mm. so you would think that that would like spark some sort of maybe revenge or blackmail yeah. or something but instead it causes Ephraim to kind of feel a kinship with him because um, Winslow reveals that his name is not actually Ephraim Winslow. Ooh. His when they're name, when he's really drunk that night. Yeah, they're really drunk. He says, my name's Thomas. So they're both named Thomas. Ooh. And, oh my god, <laughs> you're totally the same person. Well, it gets really funny too because he's like, Thomas that's my name, and Wake just goes, my name's Thomas. And he's like, no, Thomas, that's my name, call me Tommy. And he's, like, trying to explain yeah, that yeah. that is his real name, but it just it's seems It's a real like, who's on first situation. Seems more like madness. He reveals to Wake that he left being a Timberman because he actually accidentally murdered a Timberman mm, by uh-huh. that name, Ephraim Winslow, so he assumed oh. his identity and left. Oh, shit. He, it's kind of like... It's not really clear to if he was immediately responsible for this man's death, but is what happens is he explains that they weren't getting on or something, mm-hmm. and this other timberman fell down underneath the logs, and he couldn't get... There's When you do timber, there's like a bunch of logs in the river. Oh, this and, is like that scene in Insomnia I told you about. Yeah. yeah. And so he can't get up, and he kind of just watches him and doesn't help him. Oh, okay. And he picks up his toolbox and he leaves and he becomes Ephraim Winslow. Okay. And it is like a really cathartic speech of him saying all this stuff and kind of bearing his soul. To which Wake is kind of looking at him dead-eyed and then just says, Why'd you have to go and spill your beans to me? Ooh. <laughs> and leaves. Followed oh, by, Now like, I gotta murder you. In the next couple scenes, we just hear this ghostly narration of <laughs> Wake going... You spilled your beans. <laughs> you spilled your beans. I am obsessed. <laughs> you spilled your beans. Winslow drunkenly breaks the mermaid figurine in half because he can't get off. 
<laughs> like he tr- he's like, like furiously masturbating to but it. But he's too drunk. No, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that it's could been be it. built out this time. He's just so insane. He's not getting any sexual gratification <laughs> from it. It's not working. So he fucking smashes that wow. shit up. Uh, that was actually the first scene they ever filmed too. Was him smashing? <laughs> was this? No, his furious masturbation. God, scene. Robert Pattinson just loves masturbating on screen. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a video today where it was, uh, like, a, a girl crying, like, a meme of her crying, and it was, like, when I find out that the Batman will finally be the first film, I don't get to see Robert Pattinson first and <laughs> I mean, we don't know that. <laughs> That's true. They can do whatever they want with the Batman's Batman. Batman's gotta do it, too, you know? <laughs> You're telling me the Batman never masturbates? Okay. <laughs> um, as the days continue and everything, he's made some attempts to, to get the the key ring off of Wake's hip when he's Mm. asleep, but nothing comes to fruition. So instead, he decides, it's time, I have to get out of here. I'm going to take the little lifeboat out into this raging sea because I can no longer stay here. That sucks to be, oh, that's so scary that you're just hoping someone comes to get you. You Mm. are, and they've also just, um, another reason why there's been a descent into madness, they've run out of everything. There is no food, and there's also no more alcohol. Or cigarettes. So so you can't even escape reality. Uh, you can if you've got kerosene and honey, because that's what they decide to start drinking. They drink kerosene? They yeah. do. And that's, um, that's something that's also from the master, so that's why I knew what he Champagne, was doing. Champagne, coke, and kerosene! <laughs> uh, yeah, in the master, Joaquin Phoenix's character is, like, hiding out, um, in a part of the ship, because he's, like, a Navy man, and he's just, like, going to town on the kerosene, Ugh. and it's, like, it's poisoning more than alcohol yeah. is, obviously, so that you're just having these crazy visions, Yikes. and you're just dying inside. Um, so that's what they've been drinking now that they've Yikes. run out of their, their underground alcohol. He pushes the lifeboat out of the cabin, but Wake is running up behind him to try and stop him. He sees what he's doing, and he has an axe, and he's oh, coming no. at Winslow. Winslow runs away, and Wake destroys the lifeboat with the axe. Oh, Wake chases Winslow into the cottage, but when they're inside, Wake says he claims that it was actually Winslow that was chasing Wake with the axe. What the heck? Right? Yeah, he comes in with the axe and, like, he's, like, flying towards him and he launches the axe into the kitchen table. They've destroyed the entire house. The entire house is a mess, both from the storm and their drunkenness. It's, like, disgusting. It's a pit. And he all of a sudden has this look on his face and he calmly talks to Winslow and he's like, where are you going, laddie? Like, you can't leave. There's a storm. Something's really wrong with you. You just chased me around with an axe. Mm, I feel like, I feel like he is unreliable and he's fucking with Wake's, or uh, with Winslow's mind. So yeah, like as the audience, we're kind of like, which side am I on? But you you still don't know. You, You have no way of knowing. Winslow, it's very clear that he doesn't know. He doesn't know right. what's right and what's wrong. He's, like, in the depths of madness right mm-hmm. now. Some time goes by. They keep having their drunk parties. They're just really crushing it with that kerosene right Yikes. now. Partying together, yelling at each other, until the storm becomes so powerful that a huge wave crashes through the window and destroys the whole cottage. Oh. Yeah. Um, after this whole tidal wave essentially has like completely decimated where they lived and yeah. everything is just in shambles and everything is awful. Yeah. They get into this fight, but it's kind of a different fight cause it's daytime now. They're probably sober ish and it is a big tirade being launched by Winslow rather yeah. than Wake. And Wake has to sit there and listen to it. And I believe you say you like some Instagram thing where it's like screenplayed. 
or something like that, where they like post videos from screenplays. Mm-hmm. Uh, they posted one, which is great. Uh, maybe we'll we'll regram it, but it's Robert Pattinson's big freak out on him, and it's really good because uh, I think I've seen part of it in one of the trailers or like. A... Okay, yeah, he's going on and on to him, saying all the things that he isn't. It's like you ain't the president, oh. you ain't this, you ain't that. You're just a dumb lighthouse keeper, and you ain't my father. Oh. And uh, <laughs> it ends with him like shaking like this cabinet and screaming and he's like and I'm sick of your farts <laughs> and Wake just has to kind of sit there and take it and he looks a little sad he's like on the ground all crumpled up and everything and is this in the cabin yeah we're in the okay, cabin so it's not like the it hasn't like roof caved in type of a no thing. but they're sitting in like feet of water oh no uh, now that all this stuff has happened, like, the house has kind of been torn apart and everything. There's, like, stuff floating in the water. Uh. Winslow finds floating in the water is Wake's captain's log, Ooh. or really his lighthouse keeper log, where he has been writing in it every single day, and that's also something Winslow was never allowed to look at. Mm. And inside of it is a whole bunch of bullshit about... Well, some of it's true. <laughs> but, but, like, bad from, things Winslow did? Even yeah. from day one, Winslow was drinking on the job. <gasps> Even from day one, he was doing a bad job of bringing the kerosene up to the top. He uh, has been constantly, what's the word they use? It's like a super old-timey word, abusing himself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like for masturbating? For masturbating. And each time that he's written something, he's saying what he should be docked for in pay. Mm. Right down to, like, what their house situation is like now. He shouldn't be paid because, look at it, it's a disaster. And so all this time he's been racking up these different offenses to dock him of his pay. Holy crap. He recommends severance without pay. How does that happen? Like, how how does that help him at all? Well, maybe he gets the pay if he's had to sit there with some guy who's not done anything. Like he would get double the pay? Maybe Mm. he'll get all the pay because he worked really hard. Winslow loses it. This is just where he absolutely cannot take it anymore. He attacks him. They, yeah. they beat each other up, but Winslow's really got the upper hand. He beats Wake's face in until he's cradled on the floor. While he's doing it, he's having visions of a mermaid, and that Wake is a sea monster, kind of like a triton-type man, but it's also, like, his own self. It's very, like, okay, an I acid trip. Yeah. It's very artsy. Yes. Yeah. Winslow puts a rope around Wake's neck. And he says, come on, doggy. Oh. You're the dog. You're a dog. Because he's kind of been saying, you dog, this whole time. Mm, a sea dog. And, and he makes Wake crawl on all fours all the way to the old rationing pit where Whoa. they, where they um, ba- uh, took out the buried alcohol. Yeah. What's um, most surprising, too, is how quickly he goes with the charade. Mm. He's, like, been beating him up and having all those visions and everything, but then all of a sudden comes out of it by putting this rope around him and then says, bark, dog. And immediately Wake just does. And he's like, come on, we're going outside. And he starts acting like a dog and barking. And, yeah, they take him. He takes him all the way out back to where they had dug up those rations. He forces Wake into the hole. Uh And he starts to bury Wake. Oh, no. With all of the dirt. As Wake is saying his last few monologues, dirt is getting in his mouth. He's choking on it until he's completely buried, not before Winslow can pull the keys off his hip. Ah. And not before he can leave us with some really banger lines, because these do relate to the overall point of the movie. 
Um, he says, as he's as he's being buried, he says, "What protean forms swim up from men's minds and met in hot Promethean plunder, scorching eyes with divine chains and horror are casting them down to Davy Jones." Well, and I'll sure. explain like each and every one of those things and how it ties because it's actually super cool. Mm-hmm, it's um, fucking sick. Yeah, but that's what his dying words are, and as you're hearing them, it just sounds like more sea gibberish. I was gonna, well, I was gonna say, while you were hearing them, did you realize they were important? No, no, okay, you, no. you can't, okay. you cannot can't understand, understand him. Okay. There's dirt being thrown into his mouth, but a, a couple things came up, like, obviously you hear Davy Jones, right. you know what that means, yeah. and then you hear Prometheus. Prometheus plunder, and you're like, okay, what's that mean? But it actually all connects. Cool. Um, but he's dead now. Okay. <laughs> Buried alive. Winslow is ready. That's all he cares about now. It's time to go to that lantern room. He cannot wait. He goes back into the house to, like, get himself ready to go up to the lighthouse and everything, but not before he is slammed in the shoulder with an axe. (gasps) I know, my thoughts exactly. (laughs) By Wake. (laughs) Ah! Uh, don't worry, though, because Wake's gonna die again. (laughs) Howard, like, rips the axe off of himself, and then, yeah, then kills Wake again. (laughs) With the axe? Yep. Yeah. Right in the head. I would love it if if you just, like, (laughs) it's like when you wake up and you keep, or you keep having dreams that you wake up, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you think you've woken up, but then you realize you didn't, but then, oh shit, I still didn't wake up. Every step to the lighthouse, he has to kill Wake again. (laughs) Right, but but every time he has to bury him alive. (laughs) Right. Uh, but no, he, he does kill him, and it's pretty brutal. It's, it's like, on par with the seagull. Mm. Um, and now, though, he can finally get up to that lighthouse. This is the climax slash ending So wait, of how, how was Wake there? He just unburied himself. That's really it? He kind of did a half-assed job of burying him all. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's really just, okay. like, alcohol poisoning. Like, okay. it's not good. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I would say, like, there was a light layer of dirt over okay. him. Yeah. Winslow... Ascends all the steps up to the top of the lighthouse. He approaches the giant Fresnel lens. He stops and opens it up to him. And you see him peering into the giant mirror. Mm-hmm. And we don't see what's inside. We just see him looking at it. Okay. And he is filled with ecstasy and horror and a mix of love and fear. And he lets out this horribly distorted scream that sounds like reverb from do, a microphone. How do we know he's feeling all those things? You can see it on his face. You can see it on his oh, face. Oh, And it's his... like he is bathed in so much light that oh, okay. it's like this is nothing less than anything other than an epiphany. So you see his reactions, but you don't see yes. what he's seeing. Yes. Okay. He screams, the light brightens before it becomes so overwhelming that he's knocked out and falls all the way down the lighthouse yeah. steps. And I really thought that was where it was going to end. Me too. Um, Me too. Because it, it could have. Yeah. Because he has seen what he's needed to see. He's gotten what he's come for. And then it obviously hurts him and he falls down an entire lighthouse. Um, so I thought he was going to die there. I don't know how his body ends up where it is, but instead his body ends up outside and his eyes have been burned all the way through. Ah! They are just a burnt socket. Ooh. It's very scary. Clearly the light has done something to them and he is lying on the rocks of the shore without his eyes and seagulls are eating his stomach oh god his whole (laughs) entrails are coming out yeah they are eating his stomach 
But, like, he didn't die when he fell to the bottom, did he? He no. somehow crawled his way outside, and as soon as he did, oh. him and his burnt eyes are being pecked apart by oh, seagulls. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. And we, we do hear him making a light like moaning moans. sounds oh. as he is being ripped apart. Yikes. Cue the credits with a fun sailor song. Yes. Like, <laughs> really? I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> Yeah. Yay. Wow. That is a very brief analysis. Yes. <laughs> or yes. explanation of... The lighthouse. Interesting. Too much happens, mm-hmm. but that's 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 what you get. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, do you want to say anything else before we rate it? And I'm wondering. Oh, like, tell if, me the tell me the meaning of the. Yeah, I think that might influence how you feel about that's it what too. I, I, I want because to you heard Prometheus somewhere in there, yeah. and the myth of Prometheus is that he stole fire from the gods. Okay. Light, which is what he was after all along. Yeah. And once he got it, they condemned him to every single day have an eagle rip out his liver. Oh. So that's that right there, like the Prometheus yeah. having his his insides ripped apart. Because there's there's a lot of like Greek mythology in here, especially like say, with the sea and all that stuff. It kind of just seems like a, a fun retelling of some stories, right? Yeah. Um, but then it also connects to that fun, not a fun retelling, but a very scary true story of the Smalls Lighthouse. Okay, tragedy. so tell me about that. Uh, the Smalls Lighthouse tragedy was lighthouse keepers both named Thomas, <laughs> and both had kind of shady pasts and argued and fought the entire time that they were together, including being stuck on their island for seven months oh. because of storms. Like, rescue people had tried to come and save them. So, uh, what year were those, was that? 1801. Oh, so okay. so a hundred years before That's actually. That's crazy. Um, but basically, what happened is the two men fought so much, and it's not known, but essentially, what happened is one of them ended up dying, and one swore that he did not kill him. He just ended up dying through some tragedy or just because he was ill, and basically he died. And the guy knew that everyone knew they hated each other, so he couldn't just throw his body out to sea or bury it because then they would be asking, like, why did you kill him? So he decided to live with the corpse right next to him in the room that entire time. And it just becomes very Edgar Allan Poe, obviously, um, because he's just got this rotting corpse next to him as he's stuck in isolation for months and months and months. And then when people arrived and help did arrive, (laughs) I'm sure they were like, why didn't you just... I think we would have believed you. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, he didn't want to be accused of murder. And I'm sure that would make you go crazy to live with a corpse. But also maybe he did kill him. We don't know. Yeah. And then maybe he just liked standing there and looking at his dead body. Ew. Yeah. Do you have any facts, Kimmy? I do know that Robert Pattinson went through a couple extreme measures to elicit some kind of emotional response, including putting his fingers down his throat to the point of almost vomiting. Like, before doing a take? Before doing, like, a fight uh... take. And, like, there's this funny quote from Willem Dafoe, like, or I think Robert Eggers says, oh, I saw Willem, like, his look was like, this guy better not puke on me right now. (laughs) (sighs) Should we rate it? Let's rate this. Okay. Three, Three, two, two, one. Wow. Wow. Oh, Kaylee, that's so sad. (laughs) What did you draw? What is that? His eyes. (laughs) His eyes inside there? Yeah. What did you draw? I drew the ocean. Oh, no. And then a lighthouse. (laughs) (laughs) Is that on a cliff? Yeah. Nice. I didn't draw anything. (laughs) So I gave it an 8. I also gave it an 8. I gave it a 10. 
That's awesome. Two times in a row. I know. Kids. I, mean, I know. Like, this have is I a lost spicy my... round. I feel like have I lost my well? They're your just edge? they're yeah. just up your alley. <laughs> you're soft in your old age. Yeah. <laughs> in a year, you've become soft. So, Kayleen, you okay. haven't seen it. I have not seen it. I almost wanted to give it a seven point five, just on the principle that I gave Midsummer a seven point five before I had seen it. And then afterwards, I was like, that's a fucking 10. Kayleen, I was going to talk to you. I was literally going to preface my rating about Midsummer. <laughs> me too. Me too. Because I feel like we all rushed into Midsummer. Isn't that crazy how low we gave Midsummer? And I'm like, Midsummer's, that movie's a 10. It is a 10. I just needed a day to process. We, like, we recorded it immediately after. But and what I love about what? that is it shows that I think most mo- like most movies, for you to accurately know how you feel about it, it needs breathing room. Mm-hmm. And honestly, probably a second viewing. Like, yeah. just everyone in general, I think. Because, yeah, yeah, I looked at those and I thought that was really funny. Oh, yeah. I, I like, thoroughly regret my Midsummer rating. <laughs> I also appreciate movies more after discussion and research. For you know? sure. Which For we sure. did do, but it still felt so scary and chaotic. We were like, what's happening? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so there was a part of me that wanted to give it a 7.5 because there's no way I'm going to like The Lighthouse better than Midsummer, But... I do think it's probably really good. I think that it's probably very artsy in a way I would appreciate. Based on this explanation, I think I would like it a lot more than I liked The Witch. Um, I think that's true. Just because of the content, it doesn't seem to be the kind of stuff that I'm, like, not down to see. Mm-hmm. It's also, there's more comedy in it than The Witch. Oh. For sure. Okay. I'm a little disappointed we didn't get any, like, cracking business or more monster business. Uh, when I was expecting that. Defoe is, like, he looks like Poseidon and he's got, like, shells all over his face. There's, like, Ew. tentacles wrapping all around yeah. the floor. In one of the, the part where he's, like, seeing himself on the monster yeah. and stuff. The kraken wow. is never an entity, but we do see... There are, like, parts where tentacles come up. Like. Okay. When you said that you thought that was super cool, that it... it is in the square ratio that seems like one of those things where for me I would have to get used to it like immediately that would kind of be jarring to me and I would be aware of the fact that I'm watching a movie for a while that's not necessarily why I'm giving it this score I'm just saying I think there's a lot of things I'd have to get used to upon viewing this before I can just like sit and let it take over me I don't know it just doesn't really super seem like my cup of tea but I think I'm I'll probably go see it, uh, if I can. I know it's, like, prob- not in theaters right now. Um, right. You guys, like, saw it on the tail end. And it was only here for, what, like, a week or two? Uh, yeah. A couple yeah. weeks? So I might see it, and if I do, I think that I'll like it and appreciate the art of it, but I just think it's something that I'm not super into. So that's why I didn't give it a higher score. I gave it an 8, uh, because Midsummer really affected my rating. <laughs> <laughs> and even before I, I looked at our ratings just now, like, as soon as I saw this movie and thought, that's an 8 in my book, because I gave it 4 stars on Letterboxd, mm. I was also just like, how on earth did I not give Midsummer like, like, what? I mean, Midsummer is a 5 out of 5 on my Letterboxd now, but, like, at the time, I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> But in rating just this movie on its own and what it stands for and everything, I thought it was masterfully made. It was just, this guy has such vision and knows what he wants, mm-hmm. and it, it just can happen, which is great, because he's been trusted after things like The Witch, yeah. um, so I would love to see what he does next. The reason it's not like a 10 out of 10 for me is because it is a lot to like get on board with, mm-hmm. but I'm bump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's a ride. It's it's kind of exhausting to to watch <laughs> uh-huh. and such. But then the discussion that's fueled after it is wonderful, and I love thinking about it more and more. And that's what's kind of hard about 
Maybe not doing, like, a podcast where all three of us have seen a movie where yeah. we can just... Like, that's what I'm excited to do, Jojo Rabbit, and yeah. talk about that in Spoilerville. Um, because right now it's like, I can't, like, point out things to you and be like, and then this? Because you haven't seen it, and right. that's because I can't explain everything. But I would say, as far as um, top ten of 2019, this is, like, at the tail end of the list for me, okay. if it makes it on it. Currently it's at 11. Okay. But I have some stuff I need to rewatch. Um, as far as performances, though, this is probably the best male performance I've seen. From which one? From both of them. Cool. I think when it comes down to it, Robert would get an acting nomination and Willem would get supporting, probably. Oh, I see. Um, but I thought they both did a phenomenal job and it's just, it's so delightful to watch both of them. They're yeah. such powerhouses and like they have no chill and yeah. they just, they just bring it, so. I wonder if it would be a lion situation where no one in the film is considered a lead. That'd be rude. Right? <laughs> Right? I gave it a 10. I just can't not. <laughs> no, I guess not. I guess you don't know. But, but I just thought that it was really unique. Mostly, most of this 10 is coming purely from the performances. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just jaw-dropping. It's insane. They're fucking insane. And I just think that Robert Eggers is an incredibly intelli- intelligent filmmaker. He has so much research behind every decision that he makes. Everything is purposeful, and it just is, it's a complete vision come to life, I think. And I can't wait to see what he does next. And I also wanted to say, if anybody doesn't know, A24 has a podcast. They never update it. They haven't updated it since this, like, early summer, I think, like, or something like that. Mm -hmm. But luckily, the very last thing that they did was a podcast discussion between Ari Aster and Robert Eggers. And they get to talk together about their films. Obviously, The Lighthouse hadn't come out by then. But it's just really delightful to hear them talk together. That's so fun. They both seem like really down-to-earth people. And it's just lovely. They're both really smart and really lovely uh, creatives. And I just really love this film. Exciting. Yeah. Alrighty. Watch us items and recommendations. Me, Kayleen, is going to go first. I was so excited to go see Joker this year. I couldn't wait. And then that happened, and I was so excited to go see Jojo Rabbit. And now, the last thing that I care about on that kind of a scale is Honey Boy. Yeah. I just am so ready for that movie to change my life, and I know (laughs) that I'm giving it really high expectations, but it technically just came out, and I have no idea when we're going to be able to see it unless we drive to L.A., and I I just want to see it right now. I want to see it right now, and I I can't wait. And then my recommendation for the week is semi-related. It's Curse of the Black Pearl. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's Are my favorite sea movie. <laughs> oh, man. It seems like one of those things everyone has seen, but hey, maybe you need to go watch it again. <laughs> nah, I think, yeah, they can always. <laughs> that is a good joke. <laughs> Okay, for my watch list, I'm adding Marriage Story oh. and Uncut Gems. Oh. And I'm going into Uncut Gems kind of hesitant, but just I keep seeing the trailer and I find something really endearing about it. Yeah. And then when me and Courtney went to go see The Lighthouse, that, <laughs> that trailer came oh. on. <laughs> and at the end of the trailer, um, someone goes, who is that guy? And he goes, I don't know, some stupid fucking crazy ass Jew. Who does? <laughs> Some 
Potter character says that about Adam. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, uh, Adam um, Sandler. Adam Sandler's character. And Gordon leans over and she goes, that's how I'm going to refer to you from now on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the guy too down, rose down from us hurt. I, was I like, love it. <laughs> Kimmy was laughing really <laughs> I was like, that's me? <laughs> Anyways, for my recommendations, this is kind of far off, but I, I don't know. It makes sense to me. Kill Your Darlings. Oh. It, it's kind of like it's a period piece. It's also like kind of sinister Isn't and Robert dark. Is it Robert Pattinson in that? No, it's no. Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. Okay, it's yeah. Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, Dane DeHaan is in it, and also Michael C. Hall. Oh, Bay. Yeah, <laughs> I really love that movie. I thought it was great. I thought the performances in it were outstanding when oh. I saw it. So I think that that goes. Oh, I'll have to watch that. Mm-hmm. I decided to go last because I was hoping your conversation would just spark something in me. It did, thankfully. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. I didn't have one. Um, adding to my watch list, Outlaw King Oh, with Chris Pine and King Lear with Anthony Hopkins because those are the last two Florence Pugh items I have to see oh. <laughs> before I've watched her whole filmography. No. Oh. I suffered through the commuter last night. It was the worst. That's so sad. <laughs> um, she was barely in it. But I saw it. And so now I'm going to watch those two. And I've actually never read King Lear. Mm. Um, it's like one of the few Shakespeare's that has escaped me. And I'm like really eager to read it. Like I, I know a monologue from it. but mm. And then for my recommendation <laughs> is Oh Hello on Broadway. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I just need this to be out in the open. I need people to know how much I love it. Okay, sure. Oh Hello? <laughs> I've watched this... So many times. Sometimes I'll literally just put it on while I'm driving, and I won't watch it, but I'll just listen to it, because it's the peak of comedy, and it's the peak of just two men going insane together. For people and, who do know, don't know what that is, can you, like, yeah, say Yeah, it's John Mulaney and Nick Kroll, and it's their two-man show that makes zero sense. Where they are they, old men. They dress up like old men. Yeah, their names are Gil Faison and George St. Giglin. Their whole shtick is that, um... Too much tuna. And also yeah. that they pronounce everything wrong. So, like, water is worder. <laughs> and I feel like, if nothing, that is representative of how Willem Dafoe talks in this film. Mm. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Next week, Kimmy's going to be doing her solo round. Yay! Talk about that. Oh, oh, it's going to be just so good. <laughs> I will be explaining the entire plot of the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Ford. <laughs> <laughs> by the coward Casey Affleck. <laughs> It's a soundtrack that I used to listen to and had no idea where it was from. that's interesting. Um, And I've heard great things about it. I think this will be the first solo round movie that you guys actually like. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm really excited about this one. I hope (laughs) it's awful. Awesome. Well, catch us then. Uh, You can also catch us anywhere at We Explain Movies, Instagram and Twitter. Follow us before you follow Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) 